We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast, with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. the Oracle of the Action Network and Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Buffalo Bills. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I'm interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We're covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Chris Trapasso, an NFL draft writer for CBS Sports and Bills contributor to the Buffalo News. In this episode, he talks with us about the Bills draft plans for the quarterback position, the team's needs along the defensive line, and the skill position prospects who might fit in Buffalo. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest.
Please welcome to the show Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports in the Buffalo News. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Trapasso, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on everything to do, not only with the Bills, but also NFL draft prospects. Uh, Chris, you were on Road of His Radio a long time ago in the olden days of the show. It's nice to have you back. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into it. The Buffalo Bills have done a lot during the offseason. Uh, two big moves in particular, one trading away quarterback Tyrod Taylor, and then they also traded their left tackle, Cordy Glenn, to the Bengals in exchange for a first-round draft swap. So now they have the number 12 pick overall, in addition to another pick uh, in the first round. Looking at uh, the quarterbacks that they have, uh, A.J. McCarron, Nathan Peterman, uh, the quarterbacks in this class, uh, the, the draft capital that the team has to move up to get a quarterback if they are thinking about doing that. Uh, what is happening with the quarterbacks here, and is uh, is the team going to trade up? Um, about a month ago, I would have said that I was pretty sure that they that the Bills were going to trade up. Um, I I just think that the Jets and the Colts trade. Um, in which the Jets moved from number six overall to number three overall and traded. Obviously, they swapped first-round picks, but then traded three second-rounders. It really set the price to move into the top five, and especially to get ahead of the Jets, very, very high. There is a connection with Bills GM Brandon Bean and Giants GM Dave Gettleman. They worked together in Carolina for many years. Um, but I think Dave Gettleman, just being that old-school football guy that he is, it seems kind of like a hard-nosed guy that – He's not going to take anything less than a King's ransom for a team, especially like the Bills picking at 12, to move to that number two spot. Would the Bills like to trade up? I think so. But at the same time, this is Brandon Bean's first draft as a general manager. He was actually hired by the Bills after the draft last season, and it was really Sean McDermott's draft last year. Um, Doug Whaley was actually still in place, but a lot of people thought that he didn't really have a lot of control um, or really much of a say in that draft class. And all the Bills talked about Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott last year as they you know, made their triumphant run to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years was that they were certainly trying to make the playoffs, but they kept repeating over and over again that they were really building for the long term. And the goal isn't to, for them was not just to make the playoffs to win a Super Bowl. So Brandon Bean being a younger guy, Sean McDermott being younger, I don't think that they are dead set to pay what everyone will view as an overpayment to get to number two. Um, but I do think that on the night of the draft, um, if the quarterback that they like the most is there at number four, number five, um, maybe even number six where the Colts sit now, maybe, you know, Indy would be interested in trading back again to add more picks. Um I think they will certainly go down that road and make some calls. Um, but after the Jets traded up, you know, moved into that spot that, you know, pretty much guarantees them, obviously, one of the top two or three quarterbacks and just what that did to set the price to move up so much higher. I'm, I'm not as sure that the Bills are going to do that at this point because despite being a playoff team last year, the Bills roster has a lot of holes. I mean, you just mentioned the most important position on the field quarterback, but on the defensive line, um, at the wide receiver spot, I think they have, you know, one of the poorest wide receiver groups in the entire NFL right now. So that wouldn't be really conducive for a young quarterback to come in um, and really succeed right away. 
Um, their their uh, running back spot, they have LaShawn McCoy, but he's 30 years or he's going to be 30 years old in July. Um, so they have a lot of holes for being a team that went nine and seven and did play a pretty competitive game in the playoffs last year against the Jaguars. So uh, I I don't think that they are absolutely dead set on it now, as I kind of thought maybe four or five weeks ago. If they are to move up, who is the quarterback that they would really like to have? This is an educated guess. Um, it, it's really hard to tell with with this quarterback class. And you know, the big four being uh, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and now seemingly Baker Mayfield. Um, it, you can really piece together why it would make sense for any of these teams, the Bills, the Cardinals, the Broncos, the Browns, to like one of these guys. But I really think if they were to trade up, it would be for Josh Rosen. Um, and, and this is going even beyond the football field. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, draw any connections beyond that because all these quarterbacks do have some, you know, a lot of traits, some more than others that, you know, make them a, a first round caliber pick or a top 10 or top five player that last year during the national anthem protests, the bill's ownership, Terry and Kim Pagula released one of the more, uh, I don't know what the word is, maybe more aggressive statements that they were totally for any of their players to do whatever they wanted, um, either in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick or even against him, that, that, that they were totally fine with that. And we've seen a lot of, there are still some owners that are very conservative and, and almost, you know, didn't want their players to do that. Oh, we're going to outlaw them from doing that. The Bills are the other way around. And if you look back to last fall, Josh Rosen, um, was, was very supportive of the national anthem protest seems to be more of a progressive thinking guy. I think if the ownership does get involved, which I think we like to think that the ownership never gets involved in any football decisions on any team, but I don't think that's the case. Um, and then you just look at on the field, Josh Rosen is probably the most natural passer or is the most natural passer of the football in this class. Um, so I, I think he would be the one, that the Bills, if they said, hey, let's let's go ahead and do it. We found a good price. We're not going to have to give up every single early pick that we have, um, whether that be moving to two or to four or to five, six. I think it's Josh Rosen. They probably want someone that's more of a pocket passer than Tyrod Taylor was and is aggressive like Tyrod Taylor was not at times. And I, I just think all those signs, if they're in a quarterback that they trade up for, I, I think it's Josh Rosen. Okay, and I, I should say, because of the work that you do uh, with uh, analyzing draft prospects at CBS Sports, and then also contributing to the Buffalo News as a uh, a Bills contributor, it's, it's like you're sort of uniquely uh, positioned to, to talk about both the team and then also the draft prospects. I'm wondering, um, given the the quarterbacks in the class and then given the need that all of the teams have, or not all the teams, but many of the teams have for quarterback, let's say that uh, at, at pick number six, maybe Baker Mayfield is there. Maybe Lamar Jackson is there. Uh, are those two guys, do you think, enticing enough to convince the Bills to move up? Or do you think they would stay at 12 and hope that one of those guys slides to them? And I guess the question is, if one of those guys happens to be there at 12, would they even draft a guy? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's it's really why I think, or one of the reasons why I think the draft is so interesting, because it's not solely um, what a team 
thinks about a player, you also have to look at it and say, where could I get this player? So that's why this, like, I think that was a really good question because the Bills think that they can get Lamar Jackson at 12 and they like him and they think that he's an upgraded version of Tyrod Taylor. Um, then, you know, they have to kind of play their cards right and, and, and not get over aggressive. And really, when you look at it from number seven to number 12, or unless the Dolphins are going to pick a quarterback at 11, but from, from six, until 10 at least none of those teams have a quarterback they certainly could be teams that could move back with maybe a team like the cardinals or if the chargers or the ravens are interested in uh drafting their heir apparent to philip rivers or joe flacco that could be the case um but i i don't think at that point that they would need to move up if there were someone though i I think baker mayfield if it was between baker mayfield and lamar jackson at six um i think they would be more apt to move up for baker mayfield um, he's just a little bit more ready as a passer right now. Um, and that's coming from a, you know, spread option offense in the Big 12, but just so much more experienced than Lamar Jackson. Um, and I really like Lamar Jackson a lot. I think his arrow has been pointing up for a while, but he improved so much in his three years as a starter at Louisville as a passer. And he's always been an incredible runner. But also at that point, you have to look at, at number six overall, that's most likely two, probably three quarterbacks will be off the board, and you're picking at number six now. They wouldn't have to move as far up. The cost to do so would not probably be, you know, next year's first, both seconds this year, a third next. It wouldn't be exorbitant. So I think the Bills um, would like to maybe get into the top five if Josh Rosen, you know, quote-unquote slips that far. Um, But at six, I think they'd be much more apt to move up, even if it were for Baker Mayfield. Um, but I I think it's been weird. The second that they traded back last year, let the Chiefs pick Patrick Mahomes, ended up with Tredavious White at number 27 overall. They got the extra first-round pick from the Chiefs. Everyone just – or very many people assumed, oh, they have two first-round picks. They're definitely going to use that to trade up and get a quarterback. I don't really think that's the case. And like you mentioned, with trading Cordy Glenn to the Bengals, they move from 21 and 22 to 12 and 22. So they are kind of in that spot ahead of those teams, like I mentioned, the Ravens and the Chargers. And a lot of those teams, maybe the Patriots, the Saints, that could be looking for a Mason Rudolph or Lamar Jackson to, you know, um, groom down the road, that they moved ahead of those clubs. And they're in a spot where they could say, hey, let's, we realize we have holes in this roster. Let's pick our uh, quarterback of the future at 12 and then really use all of that you know, glut of early round picks to build around it. So I, I don't think, especially with the Jets and Colts trade, think that it's a given that they move up. But I do think out of Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, probably Mayfield would be the one that they would kind of lean toward if they needed to move to number six. So as you mentioned, this is a, a playoff team, but there are a lot of needs on the roster and they do have that 22nd overall pick. Let's assume that uh, with the 12th pick, they're able to to get a quarterback, uh, maybe Lamar Jackson. What do you think they are looking to do with that 22nd pick? Probably along the defensive line, they signed Star Latulale in free agency, who obviously is a connection from Carolina to the Bills coaching staff and the GM. Um, but it's really Star Latulale, Kyle Williams, and the rest of the defensive tackle depth is pretty bad. Um, they have Adolphus Washington, who they picked in the third round a few years ago, has not really amounted to much early in his career. Um, they signed Trent Murphy um, at the DN spot. They have Jerry Hughes there. They, just their defensive line 
in terms of top level talent is okay, but the depth, they just do not have a lot of depth. And in Carolina, when Brandon Bean was the assistant GM, I mean, they prioritized picking uh, or drafting players early um, on that defensive front seven. I mean, there was that draft with Dave Gettleman when Brandon Bean was the assistant. They picked Star Latule in the first round. They picked Kawan Short in the second round. That turned out to be a pretty smart investment for Carolina. Um, they picked Vernon Butler out of Louisiana Tech, defensive lineman, kind of play anywhere. A few seasons ago, they drafted Shaq Thompson when Luke Keekley was entering his prime and Thomas Davis was still a very productive player. So I, I think that probably, and with Sean McDermott being a defensive-minded coach or former defensive coordinator, I think they would go with someone like Maurice Hurst to be the heir apparent to, to Kyle Williams or one of these other defensive tackles, Vita Vea, um, Deron Payne, Taven Bryan. This is a pretty good defensive tackle class. I think it's actually one of the better ones that we've seen in a long time. So probably defensive tackle, but it's so hard to really obviously gauge who's going to be there. I think wide receiver, someone like Cortland Sutton in Carolina, um, and they have Kevin Benjamin now in Buffalo, but in Carolina, they had Kevin Benjamin. They traded up in the second round to get Devin Funches, another big-bodied wide receiver. I think Cortland Sutton would kind of fit the mold of what they seemingly like. So at 22, I think um, with most of the top linebackers gone, Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, probably Leighton Vander Esch also gone. I think defensive tackle or wide receiver with that second first-round pick. Yeah. As you mentioned, uh, McDermott is a defensive coach. And when you look at the roster, uh, one area that doesn't seem to need a lot of help uh, is the secondary. Tredavious White had a fantastic rookie campaign last year. Uh, and then you have Poyer and Hyde there as the, the two safeties. Maybe, the, you know, the best duo of safeties in the league, but definitely up there as a group. Uh, what do you think about the other cornerback spot? They they signed Vontae Davis, uh, but he's aging. Uh, that might be a short-term thing. What do you think of, of the other cornerback spot there? Yeah, I think that could be a dark horse for one of the Bills' early picks. Um, I, I don't know if they'll go there in the first round. I've seen some mock drafts from... Uh, Mel Kuyper that had the Bills going cornerback. They lost EJ Gaines in free agency, who, when he was on the field last year, was a very underrated player, was perfect in their zone-heavy scheme that just read the quarterback's eyes quickly, was long enough to get his hands on a lot of passes, was a sure tackler. He was just injured so much. I think he wanted more money than what the Bills wanted to pay him because they wanted him to be available more. Hurt his hamstring, um, had an ankle injury. So I, I think that's a position that the Bills, like I mentioned, with the very zone-heavy scheme. I, I'm pretty sure that they played zone more than any other team in the NFL last year, um, or at least halfway through the year that was the case. Um, someone that's not necessarily Denzel Ward from Ohio State, that he's going to play man-to-man, or Mike Hughes from UCF that's just, you know, not necessarily Jarrell Revis, but would play that role, but more so someone that is going to play, um, you know, bail technique or play cover two, cover three, keep his eyes on the quarterback, and most importantly, make plays on the football. That Tredavious White got his hands on so many passes last year, um, and maybe he's not someone that's going to follow Julio Jones all over the field and lock him down, but he can play zone and make plays on the football. That was the case in Carolina. Um, you know, Josh Norman was a fifth-round pick and ended up being one of the best corners in the league, um, and he wasn't playing man-to-man. So I think any of the cornerbacks, Iowa's Josh Jackson – um, who had eight interceptions last year, got his hands on a ton of other passes. That could be the case if, if you know, 
a lot of these defensive linemen are gone. If the receivers are gone at, at pick 22, they'll certainly look for someone that excels more, uh, you know, in zone necessarily than I think we tend to think that a first round cornerback has to be this man to man guy, but I think for the Bills, they're looking for someone that can excel in zone. Uh, you had mentioned earlier defensive line. Do you have any thoughts on Marcus Davenport and whether he might be someone, I guess, one, who can uh, make the transition from small school to the NFL, and then two, how he might fit with the Bills? Yeah, I think um, he is someone that can transition. might take a little bit of time, but when you look at his athletic profile, I mean, he had a very good combine. Not Jadavian Clowney, but close. Um, that, you know, explosiveness, um, length, size, he's not, he could probably add a little bit of weight, but he's not someone that I think is going to struggle maintaining that weight, um, like a Barkevious Mingo or an Aaron Maben that just were taller and were always around 230, 240 pounds. He's already 250 plus. Um, so I think he's someone that might need a little bit of time just to, to acclimate himself to the strength of NFL offensive tackles that he was just bull rushing a lot of these smaller school tackles. Um, but I really liked his explosiveness. He uses his hands pretty well. Um, he's a high motor guy as well, which I think always helps, you know, to get some of those backside tackles um, on run plays. And he would certainly fit well in Buffalo that I think, like I mentioned before that, you know, Carolina going back to back with, with the defensive tackles in the 2012 draft or 2013 draft with Star Latula and Quan Short. I think we, it's easy to think, oh, they're going to go defensive tackle. But like I said, Jerry Hughes getting up there in age, Trent Murphy didn't play at all last season um, with a serious injury. So he was looking to be trending in the right direction, but there's some uncertainty there. I just think the Bills, whatever the case may be, they need to address the defensive line, and, and it doesn't necessarily need to be on the inside. Um, he's someone that has the length and the size, I think, to be able to play in a 4-3, maybe opposite Jerry Hughes to start. Um, or maybe even just spell Jerry Hughes on, you know, some third downs just so he's not on the field 80, 90% of the snaps. He certainly is in play at 22, but it seems as though Davenport, because of the combine, because of his upside, will actually be off the board before the Bills pick um, at number 22. All right, let's uh, get back to the offense. You mentioned earlier LaShawn McCoy, uh, and at this point, getting up there in age, but he's still been productive. I, I think he's had a, a pretty strong run, a much stronger run in Buffalo than I would have expected um, given his last season in Philadelphia. Uh, how does the team feel about him? How much do they want to use him? Because uh, the two guys behind him aren't really all that impressive in Chris Irie and uh, Traveris Cadet. So how much do they want to rely on McCoy? And are they thinking about getting another running back in the draft? I think so. I think um, whether it be in the second, third round, that might be a little early, but maybe one of the middle rounds um, to pick someone that can ultimately take the reins from LaShawn, from LaShawn McCoy. Um, this is one of the best running back classes that we've seen in a long time, I think. Um, not only with Saquon Barkley and, and Darius Carson, Ronald Jones at the top, but just midway through the draft, I think there's going to be, like we've seen, um, for as much as, you know, we've seen Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey go in the top 10 of running back, we've seen guys like Evan Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Kenny Drake get picked later and ultimately be, you know, productive, you know, surefire feature backs. Um, they used LaShawn McCoy a lot last season. 
Um, they wanted to get him more involved in the passing game, and they did. Um, he was carrying it, you know, 13 to 17 times a game. A few games, you know, was in the upwards of the, you know, mid-20s, and then was usually catching four or five or six passes with a lot of checkdowns from Tyrod Taylor, a lot of screens. So I think they're still invested in LeSean McCoy. I mean, he, he his cap hit really, you know, precludes them from cutting him. I, I don't think that at all would be the case, but I do think Chris Ivory um, and Travars Cadet are not guys that are going to take a lot of touches away from him. I think they would be more interested, though, in drafting someone. Um, and it's kind of hard to tell. Would they want someone that's more of an elusive back like McCoy or someone with a little bit more power that would kind of complement him a little better? I would be surprised if the Bills come out of the 2018 draft without a running back. All right, you mentioned earlier the uh, really the weakness of this wide receiving unit, and it is fairly incredible. Um, I mean, Zay Jones just drafted uh, recently, but doesn't seem to be highly enticing as a you know a, maybe a number two, even maybe a future number one. You think this team is going to go with a wide receiver at some point in the draft? Are there any players who kind of have caught your eye as someone who might fit in well with what the Bills are wanting to do? Yeah, um, I I think that obviously just because they traded up for Zay Jones last year, um, they're still invested in him. They're they're not. I don't think they're giving up on him. He had the weird arrest a few weeks ago, um, but they have Kelvin Benjamin. He's on his fifth year option year um, for his rookie contract, and they obviously like him from their time in Carolina. Um, but yeah, I think, like I just mentioned, I think for running back, third, fourth, fifth round, but I think wide receiver, um, especially if they keep those picks, and, and that's kind of why I think that the Bills should hang on to these picks, and these very valuable picks, the second, they have two second rounders, two third rounders, and the first third rounder is the first pick in the third round that they got in the Tyrod Taylor trade with the Browns, um, that you could and, and really should get a quality starter with some of those selections. Like I mentioned, Cortland Sutton, um, it's really hard to tell where he's going to go. Um, he does seem to fit their profile that they like with the bigger wide receivers. James Washington, to me, uh, is someone that is not going to make a lot of defenders miss after the catch. But a lot of fans, a lot of media members were saying that last year, even with Tyrod Taylor, the Bills receiving group was really lacking that field stretcher. They had Deontay Thompson, they picked up off the street after he was released from the Bears, and he actually was okay in that role, um, hit a few big plays down the field, but was certainly not someone that was threatening defenses. And James Washington was the most uh, productive wide receiver in college football the last three years, hit so many big plays down the field. I think he plays a lot faster than his uh, – I think he ran 4-5-4 the combine, 4-5-2, something like that. I think he's much faster than that on the field. He has great build-up speed, and because he's not – big body he's actually under six foot um over 200 pounds so he's kind of got almost a running back type body um tracks the ball very well i think in the second round um they picked 53 and 55 or 53 and 56 um i think with one of those two selections if, if he was still there the other guy dante pettis um was super productive with john ross two years ago when john ross went to the Bengals uh last year in the first round Pettis wasn't as productive. I think coverage was kind of rolling in, in his direction, but he's kind of the opposite of James Washington in that after the catch, his, his hips are so fluid that he can make guys miss. He's a pretty good route runner. The Bills seem to really pl place a priority on a player being 
a very experienced uh, senior, redshirt senior. Their entire draft last year was all seniors, guys who had two, three, four years even um, of, you know, extended playing time, mostly three- and four-year guys. So I think Dante Pettis being a senior um, is someone that – or being very productive for multiple seasons and having a lot of experience could be someone fourth or fifth round that could come in and be that specialist down the field in Buffalo. Do you have any thoughts on the offensive line? So they, they traded away Cordy Glenn. Uh, the only guy on that unit now who really seems to be, you know, uh, kind of, I don't know, uh, someone who you can really count on is incognito. But what are your thoughts on that unit? Are they looking to upgrade there? I think so. Um, I mean, and this is, I mean, we're going through this whole, their entire roster, and, and I'm pointing out some pretty glaring holes right. in each spot. So that's kind of, again, why I, I think, I don't know, trading both second rounders, both third rounders to move up for a quarterback, you would put them in a pretty bad situation to start. Um, you're right that Incognito is the most reliable player, but he's in his mid-30s at this point, and he was fantastic. He was one of the, probably a top three guard in 20. 16 last year um i don't know or in 2015 2016 um and then last year i don't know if he was as good maybe a top 10 or top 15 guard i think maybe just age is catching up with him which is totally normal and totally fine Deion dawkins at left tackle odd temple um they also traded up in the second round to get him last year um and you look at his athletic profile on mockdraftable.com he's was one of the most athletic offensive linemen in last year's draft class and like most offensive linemen that we've seen come into the NFL in the last five years, started off kind of slowly, um, you know, got some better veteran pass rushers, looked kind of out of sorts. But down the stretch, after Cordy Glenn was continued to be sidelined with injury, you didn't really hear much of him during the game. He played very well. He's good in the run game because of that mobility. So I think they really like him at left tackle, which is obviously a pretty big uh, luxury for a team. But Eric Wood, with his neck injury, uh, retired. They have Ryan Groy, who played a little bit in 2016 there um, at center. I don't know if they want him for the long term to be their center. So someone, you know, I think all the centers in this, this is a pretty good center class. Bill, um, Billy Price from Ohio State, James Daniels from Iowa, Frank Ragnow from, um, from Arkansas, not as athletically gifted as those two guys I just mentioned, but like I have been saying very experienced, um, good in the power running game and, and offensive coordinator Brian Dable um, has roots there and incorporated that at Alabama last season. He could be someone second, third, fourth round that the Bills could potentially get um, and be a starter right away. And then the right side of the line is really up for grabs. They had Vlad Dukas there last year, was not very good. And Jordan Mills, um, for being a seventh round pick with the Bears that was released and, you know, didn't really amount to anything being a late round pick. He was okay in Buffalo the last couple of seasons, but there were, you know, in some big moments in key games against better pass rushers, he was a huge liability. So I think it's really up for grabs and the right guard or the right tackle position. So like I said, this is a, a roster that is in need of a lot of quality starters on both sides of the football. Okay. This has been a lot of fun. One final question here. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, uh, in their you know first year with the team, I think they vastly outperformed expectations. Um, 
ultimately, where do you think they go from here? Like, what is the franchise trajectory from here? Yeah, I think that's spot on. That I I said before the season that I thought that they were maybe a seven and nine team, um, and they went nine and seven. They won a few key games against AFC wildcard contenders, Denver, Oakland early in the season that, that really kind of put them ahead of those teams uh, down the stretch. Um, I It it kind of depends. I mean, every year it seems like in Buffalo, especially during the drought, everyone said, oh, this draft's the most important draft in how many years. But I, I really think this one is because they're su- in such a unique situation that this new regime comes in, breaks the drought, everyone in Buffalo is excited, and then the quarterback's gone, um, some key players are gone. And it's really going to depend on if they do trade up, how much are they giving away, and did they trade up for the right quarterback, or if they stand pat and pick someone like Mason Rudolph or Lamar Jackson at 12 or 22, and they keep the picks, how do they fill all all these holes um, along the entire rest of the roster? Um, Based on their time in Carolina, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean seem to know how to build the team up like Carolina was early in Cam Newton's career from being a middle-of-the-road team to a Super Bowl contender. So I think with the first year, what the Bills accomplished with a roster that I didn't think was that great and that they overachieved and that they're coming uh, from an organization that, that very recently built a Super Bowl team. I, I think that um, the angle that the Bills are going is, is in the right direction. Um, but like I said, this you know in a couple weeks, this draft will really say a lot for um, where this Bills um, organization ultimately goes. All right, Chris, this was fantastic. Thanks for all of your insight, and we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. Thanks a lot, man. just finished speaking with Chris Trapasso, an NFL draft writer for CBS Sports and Bill's contributor to the Buffalo News. We covered a lot. Here are some of my thoughts. We started by talking about the Bill's draft plans for the quarterback position. Uh, Simply put, they need a quarterback. Uh, Maybe more than any other team in the league, they need a quarterback. Um, Right now, A.J. McCarron is their slotted starter which uh, might be the most embarrassing thing that could befall an NFL franchise, maybe uh, followed only by the fact that Nathan Peterman is their backup. So they absolutely need a quarterback. Uh, Some people seem to like McCarron, but he garnered almost no interest on the open market. Uh, And he seems very unlikely to be a starting quarterback. Uh, So Chris mentioned that they might want Josh Rosen, Unless they trade up, I don't think that they're going to get Josh Rosen. Um, They would need to move to two, I think, to get him. And I think it's going to be really hard for them to move to two. Uh, Even with the willingness to throw in their their second first-round pick this year, I don't think that would be enough. Um, And I don't know if they would be interested in giving up more than that. So uh, to get Rosen, maybe they would have to trade down to number four, or sorry, trade up to number four. Um, But the Browns, they might not be interested in trading down. Uh, If things fall a certain way, let's say if 
Allen, Darnold, and Rosen are the first three quarterbacks off the board. At number four, the Browns have the opportunity to draft Barkley. People are talking about him as if he is the number one overall player, uh, just in terms of his skill level in the class. Uh, If you are the Browns and you have the opportunity basically to get two number one overall type of players, um, and, you know, drafting one of those guys at four, you would probably do that. So I don't know if the Browns would be willing to trade out of four, um, you know, and, and Rosen might be gone by then, uh, you know, but so you could see, you could see Bills trading up to four, maybe to draft Mayfield, but I don't see that as being, um, I don't see him as being good enough to warrant uh, a team trading that much to move up to get him. You know, if you're sitting there at four or five, like the Broncos, you're sitting there at five and Mayfield is there at five, I think you draft him. But I think paying so much to move up, I don't know if Mayfield is the type of quarterback you you do that for. Um, you know, and then let's say the Broncos take Mayfield at five. Then that pretty much means there's very little uh, that would entice the Bills to move up to number six to get a quarterback because at that point it's Lamar Jackson. If a quarterback slips to number six, then maybe they, they trade up for him. But if it's just, and I say quote unquote, like just Lamar Jackson available at six, I don't think they would trade up for him because I think they would have a very realistic shot of getting him at 12. Um, you know, and, and that's where I actually have him going in the most recent mock draft that I've done at fantasy labs. I do have Lamar Jackson, going to the Bills at number 12. And uh, I think that pick makes a lot of sense uh, for multiple reasons. One, they really need a quarterback. Um, Two, I think if they don't take him there, he will not be available at their second first-round pick uh, at number 22. I think he will be gone by then because I think that the Cardinals would take him at number 15. I think it would also be possible um, that another team in between the Ravens, the Chargers, could potentially take him. Maybe a team behind them could trade up, right? So I think if he's there at number 12, it makes sense to draft him. Uh, and I think it especially makes sense to draft him kind of like outside of uh, like the fact that they need a quarterback and the market dynamics of what might be happening Uh, with other teams and their needs for quarterback, I think it makes sense to draft him in particular because I think he's actually a pretty good player. You know, I think they would be lucky to get a player like him at number 12. I know that his draft stock just a month or so ago was much lower than number 12, but I think it was artificially low. You know, historically, a player like Lamar Jackson should be selected in the top 10, you know, top five. One of the things that makes Lamar Jackson so intriguing is that not only was he a three-year starter and very productive at Louisville, he got better when he was there, and he's he's young, right? Incredibly young, because he, he started early in his career, right? He's going to be 21 for the entirety of his rookie season. He's the youngest Heisman winner ever 
right? Wanted the, as John Moore would say, precocious. He wanted the precocious age of 19, right? So there's a lot that is intriguing about him. Uh, I think from a real life perspective in that dual threat quarterbacks are, you know, they're hot. Like the league is, is starting to trend in that direction, right? Those guys have a lot of, um, a lot of ways in which they can benefit the team, right? Uh, and then he's a dynamic athlete. I have to keep coming back to the age, right? Like he's young. He's gotten better as a passer throughout college. But you look at a guy who has his skill set, his ability to run, and he's good enough as a passer given his ability to run. His projected draft range, his age, guys like that, they they have historically been drafted in the top half of the first round. He's most comparable to Michael Vick, given his age and his college production, and and his his biophysical profile. Right, he's most comparable to Vick. Vick was a first round pick. I think I think Jackson offers a lot to whoever drafts him. Right, uh, and he played in Louisville in a system that is generally regarded as being a fairly advanced system, you know, the, the Bobby Petrino system. So there's, there's some possibility there with what Lamar Jackson could do in the NFL. I mean, he's a better version of Tyrod Taylor. The thing is the bills didn't seem all that interested in Tyrod Taylor because they, they just traded him away and they really didn't want to commit to him last year. But Jackson's a, a better version of him, or, or framed differently. He might be another version of Cam Newton. right? And McDermott and Bean, both guys who have spent time with Newton, right? they were in the Carolina organization for a number of years. If they see the possibility to get basically another Cam Newton, right? to get their Cam Newton, and to get a guy like that, outside of the top 10, that's pretty intriguing. They'd get a lot of value out of a guy like that. And also, they have a new offensive coordinator, right? Rick Dennison was a train wreck of a coordinator last year, which honestly uh, kind of surprised me. I thought he would be good, right? He had experience in a lot of places, uh, but with the zone blocking scheme, I thought he would do well coming from the Shanahan Kubiak school, right? There have been some good quarterbacks to succeed with those guys. I thought Dennison would be able to, to translate that to Tyrod Taylor and to, to that offense as a whole. And it most certainly did not work out. He's gone. The team has a new offensive coordinator in Brian Dabble or Dable. I don't know. We'll say Dable. I think it's Dable. They have a new offensive coordinator. He's relatively young. He's 42. But he's spent a lot of time in the NFL. A lot of those years with the Patriots. Right? 
as a defensive assistant and then also as obviously an offensive guy because now he's offensive coordinator, wide receiver coach, tight ends coach, you know, was with the team when they won multiple Super Bowls. And then he actually has offensive coordinator experience in the league was the coordinator for two years with the Browns, one year with the Dolphins, one year with the Chiefs. Last year, after he left the Patriots, he went to Alabama, and he was the offensive coordinator there when they won their national championship. It is very possible that a guy like that could be interested coming out of college could be interested in having a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, right? Giving him some college-style concepts, but in a pro system, right? I think there would be a lot that a guy like Dabble could do with someone like Lamar Jackson. So that's intriguing, right? They might have the ability to scheme a system that works for him. So Lamar Jackson at number 12, I hope that happens. Uh, the team is a playoff team, you know, quote-unquote playoff team, uh, but it has a lot of needs. As Chris mentioned, it might be better served uh, waiting and hoping to grab Jackson at number 12 as opposed to trading up and maybe, you know, getting Rosen, getting Mayfield. I think Jackson at 12 is a guy that works for the team because the team has a lot of needs, especially along the defensive line. I mean, they have needs all over, but, you know, on, on the defensive line, there's, there's a lot of thinness there, metaphorical thinness, of course, not you know actual human thinness. Um, if you look at the starting unit, it's not horrible, but the best defensive units have great depth along the line. They're able to rotate players in and out. In the first mock draft I did, and this was before the Bills moved up in the first round, I had them selecting two defensive linemen, defensive end Marcus Davenport, Defensive tackle, Deron Payne. Uh, I did that the day after the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I still think that it, it's possible that Davenport could be available there. Maybe not. Uh, Deron Payne could. But, you know, it's a great class for defensive tackles in general. Chris mentioned that. One of them will be available there. Um, but an edge, ru- an edge rusher might be uh, a bigger immediate need. Right now in the mock draft at Fantasy Labs, I have them taking one, uh, Sam Hubbard from Ohio State. But there, you know, there are lots of ways that they could go there to to help the defense, right? And uh, you know, they have a defensive oriented coach in McDermott. I think it makes sense for them to go with a defensive player here with their second pick, right? Leighton Vander Esch is still on the board in my mock draft uh, as the last, you know probable round one off-ball linebacker he could be an option there right there are lots of lots of ways that they could go with that second pick to help the defense they could get an impact player there I mean they got an impact player last year with Tredavious White right late in the first round so I think they're going to be looking to do something similar again Uh, with the day two picks they have four of them right I think they could address the offensive line. They could grab another wide receiver, maybe get a cornerback, you know, maybe a running back. They have the 32nd pick in the third round. You know, 
I think they could get a quality, a quality guy there. You know, there are some very good running backs available. And I think at that point, they could get the last guy within that second tier of running backs. I mean, it's, it's interesting. They can maybe even wait a little bit longer. Um, but I think they could get a, a mid-round running back. Someone like Naheem Hines would be interesting. You know, he's McCoy-esque, I think, in his ability, his well-roundedness as a player. He's, you know, he'd maybe be sort of like a smaller McCoy, but he could contribute as a runner and a receiver, a change of a change of pace guy. I mean, sticking sticking with North Carolina State running backs uh, or kind of like versatile all-around players, Jalen Samuels is someone who could also be intriguing. Uh, and he could contribute in a number of ways. I think what's really interesting is that he's similar to Charles Clay, uh, in that Clay was kind of a, a dual threat player in college, right? Played as like a fullback early in college and, uh, actually, you know, did, did a lot of damage as a runner. Jalen Samuels could be a similar type of guy, right? They could line him up as a second tight end. Um, as an H back, as a slot receiver, they can move him around the formation, obviously someone who could help in the receiving game, but then he could also run the ball, right? They could use him as a goal line back or as a short yardage back if they wanted to take some of the pressure off of McCoy, right? But uh, kind of big picture, regardless of whoever it is that they get, they probably need to bring in another runner and they can probably get one. Who can contribute in uh, you know round round three, maybe even round four? Let's just look at McCoy for a second. This is kind of stepping back, but big big picture, we need we need to appreciate this guy, right? He is on the cusp of a Hall of Fame career. Right now, he's number twenty nine in all time career rushing yardage. He has over ten thousand rushing yards. Corey Dillon is number twenty on the list with eleven thousand two hundred forty one. McCoy could be there in a year. Thurman Thomas is number 16 on the list with 12,074. McCoy could be past him in two years. And Thurman is a threshold player on the career rushing list. Thurman is in the Hall of Fame. On the list underneath him, it's hit or miss in terms of whether a guy gets in. From 17 to 28 on the list, only two of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, John Riggins and O.J. Simpson. Both of them had stretches of league-leading dominance. But above Thurman, there are only three players not in the Hall of Fame. Frank Gore, at 14,000 yards, still active, will be a Hall of Famer someday. Adrian Peterson, with just over 12,000 yards, still active, sort of. He will be a Hall of Famer. And then there's Edron James. Maybe one day we'll be a Hall of Famer. Probably not, but maybe. If McCoy can sort of, you know, pull a gore, if he can stay healthy for two to three more years, he will look a lot like a Hall of Famer. I think he could stay in the league because of his ability as a receiver. Right? He uh, He's done it all. And he could continue to contribute a lot as a receiver, just as Frank Gore has as he has aged. I mean, looking at McCoy, he's been the Buffalo offense for three years. 
They need to get him some help, but he could be fantastic next year. Imagine, oh, just imagine, LaShawn McCoy next to Lamar Jackson in a pro-style system that has college concepts. That could be amazing, right? But, but they need to get him some help. They need a back to spell him. Chris Ivory is 30, and he can't catch passes. Cadet is 29, and he has problems staying healthy. They need another back. They also need a receiver. Kelvin Benjamin is slow. He's coming off an injury. He's in the final year of his contract. Zay Jones is athletic. He had a lot of yards in college, but he didn't score touchdowns. He wasn't impressive as a rookie. You know, they have some picks on day two. There, there will be some intriguing wide receivers available. Maybe Cortland Sutton. Maybe not. Maybe, though. But, you know, Michael Gallup, Traquan Smith, Christian Kirk. You know, if they're looking for more of that big body type, Equinemius St. Brown could be there. They need some They need some receiving help, but they have the picks to, to find a receiver. You know, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, I've been impressed uh, with some of the things that they have done, right? Uh, McDermott got more out of that roster last year than I think anyone would have expected, right? I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And the weird thing is that at points, they really kind of were, and they still made the playoffs, right? They were a hard-nosed team. Like, they they played. They never conceded a game, right? So I'm impressed with, uh, with what he did last year and with the possibility of what he could do if they had better players and they have a lot of picks, they could, they can get better players, right? I think right now they're better than the dolphins, better than the jets, right? That doesn't say much, but they're the second best team in their division. What is interesting to me is that, you know, most teams focus on building, um, building from the front up, building with the defensive line, building in the trenches. McDermott, he's a, a secondary guy and he's building from the secondary forward, right? In this league, you now, it's more important to be able to stop the passing game than to stop the running game. Last year, Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, EJ Gaines, you know, their four core defensive backs, all of them were new to the team. Gaines is gone, but the other three guys are all there. White was phenomenal as a rookie. He was the number two pro football focus overall cornerback. Poyer and Hyde were great. You know, per per pro football focus, they were number three and four in coverage among all safeties. Stopping the pass is really important. And the Bills are building a defense that, you know, I think has one purpose. Stop Tom Brady. Right, McDermott, a defensive-minded coach. If any team in the AFC East is going to do anything significant in the league, it will need to get past the Patriots. If the Bills stay at 12 and they get their quarterback and then they attack the defense with their day two picks and then they add a little bit of help on offense, you know, maybe an offensive lineman, maybe a wide receiver, right? They, they could be good, right? They, they, they might not make the playoffs again, right? but they will be building for the future. They have six picks in the top 100. As good as anything can look for a team in the AFC East, things look good for the Bills, as long as as they get their quarterback in the first round. 
And that's going to do it for this Bills-focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out Rotoviz in the podcast feed for the episodes on all the other NFL teams. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio@gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.